The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one, welcome all. The NFL regular season is in the books. We are Monday Football Monday, the best show on the SB Nation NFL show. He is Pete Sweeney, he is Michael Kist, I am RJ Ochoa. It is time to have the discussion. The playoffs are here, but 17 weeks behind us, 256 games, one of them a bit more fraudulent than the others. We have a whole lot to talk about. We have 14 playoff teams, we have eight division champions, we have some would-be candidates for the NFL's most valuable player. It is going to be a delightful time here on Monday Football Monday. Make sure you do subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show available wherever you get your podcast. Leave a rating, write a review. If you do, I promise you Pete Sweeney will go to your house. He'll deliver you a fruit basket. That's right. Sing you a song with that beautiful voice hey, of his Pete. Thanks for that review. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Kissed. Guys, the regular season, we did it. We made it through. That's why we lift all them weights. That's right. We ran through the finish line, and what a reward for those of us lucky to cover the reigning Super Bowl champions who get to enjoy this bye week. And then it is not just Wild Card Weekend, guys. Super Wild Card Weekend. That's how it's being billed by the NFL. Uh, Kissed, your team is not in the playoffs like mine. The Philadelphia Eagles and Dallas Cowboys will be uh, watching from home. The Philadelphia Eagles, the subject of much debate. You have had a very busy time since Sunday Night Football ended. You spoke with Buck Rising from A to Z Sports Nashville.com. He is going to join us to talk about the Tennessee Titans, the AFC South champion Tennessee Titans, in a little bit. Uh, Pete, you mentioned Super Wild Card Weekend, the biggest, literally, Wild Card Weekend the NFL has ever had. We'll so get big. to the playoff matchups. Before we do, there's a lot going on. We're going to roll through a lot of things. Everybody buckle up, get your coffee, get your snacks, sit down, put the volume up, hand yourself the PlayStation control, whatever the case may be, <laughs> because MFM is here to guide you through 17 weeks worth of action. Let's start with our Sunday reports before all the games kicked off. Uh, Kissed Carson Wentz will ask for a trade in the offseason. The relationship is fractured with head coach Doug Peterson. Yeah, and apparently he wants to go to Indianapolis. I don't know why that would be, seeing as his former <laughs> offensive coordinator, Frank Reich, uh, is running the ship there. And they're saying all the right things, 
uh, in Philadelphia, like uh, Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson are speaking with the media today, and they're all saying, like Howie's saying, you know, I can't imagine not having Carson Wentz. It's like if you lost a finger and your, your hand and all, all this nonsense and whatnot. Uh, I don't believe any of it. I think it's a lot of uh, uh, GM coach speak stuff. I do think Carson Wentz is on the uh, the trade block, uh, even if Carson has to just force his way out of Philadelphia. So very interesting to to track that. And uh, see the movement on that. And, of course, you know, the Eagles, one of the most dramatic teams in the NFL right now. A lot of people are talking about the tank. We'll talk about it later. But, yeah, I, I could see Wentz wearing uh, white and blue next year. Pete Sweeney, Cam Newton, and the New England Patriots are expected to go their different ways this coming offseason. There were a lot of people, a lot of takes. Oh, my gosh. The Buffalo Bills AFC's championship lasted from February to May. Cam Newton's coming in. New England's going to pick up right where they left off. That did not happen. Right. And the, the Bills just look like one of the more complete teams in the playoffs could give the Kansas City Chiefs a run for their money. But this Cam Newton thing in New England. It's it's not a surprise. He looked really good at the beginning of the season. It looked like, okay, maybe Cam still has some juice left in the tank. And I think as the season went on, we realized, man, this guy is not a starter in the NFL anymore. I, I don't want to play with this Tamagotchi. Nobody knows what it, it even is. And so I think the, the Patriots will be looking now for their next a quarterback, franchise quarterback, quarterback of the future, and you need to get rid of Cam Newton to do so. I wonder who will be in his place in next year because they right now are in that muck like we talk about. I believe they finished seven and nine, so it's not like you're going to have a draft pick that can get you that next guy. Who knows if they trade up? Who knows if they go free agency for another year? Because I don't, I don't think Jarrett Stidham is the answer either. No. So I'll be intrigued as to how the Patriots go leading into 2021. Kiss, did you ever have a Tamagotchi growing up? Yes, I did. Did you? Uh, I did. Pete, did you? Yeah, of course. And <laughs> I mean, I would never play with it today. And that's unfortunately what Cam Newton is. He's a Tamagotchi and at ceiling right now, a backup quarterback in the NFL. I agree. Another Sunday report, Drew Brees, I don't think this was any shock to any of us, is expected to retire in the offseason. He already has a gig waiting for him at NBC. Uh, we'll see who he ultimately partners up. Maybe he's calling Notre Dame football. Uh, they have a lot of work to do themselves if you watched the college football playoff to start the weekend. Kiss, it is believed, well, shocker here, that the 49ers are going to move on from quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Stats Guerrera from the look ahead, also from the Oddcast. You can listen to the Oddcast if you get some time tomorrow uh is a proponent for the idea that jimmy garoppolo will one day end up in new england himself back again uh but i don't think jimmy g is a starter in the nfl either yeah i don't but i do think that the fit with new england trying to kick the tires on that is probably the most likely thing to happen as pete mentioned the patriots don't have a whole lot of capital to go get a quarterback but that would be an obvious reunion for them I think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL with the right supporting cast. Mm. Obviously, they had success the year before. The situation around him has to be right. So he's basically like every other average starter in the NFL. There's nothing wrong with that. 
However, he's just not going to carry a team, and you can't expect him to. Pete, I mentioned the college football playoff. Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern, not in the playoff, but does appear open to the NFL. It was reported on Sunday morning. Ohio State head coach Ryan Day, who has a busy week ahead of him, is reportedly not. There are three archetypes, I think, for head coaches generally. You've got the hotshot offensive coordinator, your Eric Bieniemy, so to speak. You've got the retread guy, uh, the guy who's been there, done that, the John Gruden or Mike McCarthy. And then you've got the, the hot college guy can you see anybody go on this route um i mean who is pat fitzgerald the sexiest name in, in the world of college football right now with with steve sarkeesian obviously taking the texas job so here's what i think about this pat fitzgerald is with northwestern ryan day is with ohio state to me ohio state is like one of those teams that are an extension of the nfl if you're one of these teams that are consistently in the college football playoff mix let the nfl come to you when it's time. Mm. You're with Northwestern. You got to ride that monkey while it's fast. You know what I mean? You got to get to the bigger cage. And that's, I think, what he's trying to do with uh, the open to the NFL rumors floating that out there. Get in the mix right now because who knows how many years Northwestern is going to be good. I'm not saying and I'm not trying to upset Northwestern fans, but to me, Ohio State's always going to be there, right? So there's no rush. I think Fitzgerald's trying to take advantage of the opportunity. Now, I do think, guys, it's it's pertinent to tell the loyal listener that we are recording this uh, about 10 a.m. E- uh, Central Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday morning. This is important, and we'll be telling you this all week long here on the SB Nation NFL Show because news is happening fast. News is changing. Things are happening. Uh, so all of this is relevant at the time that we are talking. Now, guys, while you were telling me your awesome intel that you have and your big beautiful football brains. It was reported by The Athletic that Nick Saban, who will be coaching against Ryan Day in the national championship a week from today, he is eyeing two former NFL head coaches as his offensive coordinator. I mentioned Steve Sarkeesian taking the University of Texas job. Adam Gase and Bill O'Brien are in the mix to be Saban's offensive coordinator at Bama. Uh, Saban's done a great job resuscitating a number of careers kissed. Do you think he can do that for Gase or Bill O'B? Yeah, I mean, he has this, Saban does, he has this dungeon where he puts these <laughs> broken and or disgraced and or coaches with great minds but zero personality to be able to rate with, relate with players. He puts them all in this dungeon. It's a rehabilitation center. He gets their careers going in the right direction to go. You don't hear about them for a few years. Next thing you know, they pop up, and now they're in a very important coordinator position. And Alabama can run through coordinator coordinators like nobody else. So I think this this would be the right move for both of those guys if they eventually want another shot. Like this is this is where you go. This is where you learn new ideas and have success and come out a new man. So I, I mean, look, will it work for Adam Gase? I have no idea. Will it work for Bill O'Brien? Possibly. I think I still think he's a decent head coach. He's just a god awful GM. So a uh, smart move by both. It's the perfect position for guys like that because there's yeah. way less media opportunities for coordinators in college football. So you can kind of hide away. I don't know if I would necessarily call it a dungeon. Why not? Maybe a <laughs> cocoon. It's the Alabama cocoon. Mm. You go in an ugly beat up what are they caterpillars and you come yeah. out a uh, crimson and tide butterfly crimson and tide <laughs> i think cocoon is an apt word because it has so many o's and c's and this is 
the OC uh, of, right. uh, of the Crimson sure. Tide. Um, obviously, Adam Gase and Bill O'Brien have vacant posts in the NFL. These are the current job and general, or excuse me, these are the current head coach and general manager job openings at present time. We knew coming into week 17, guys, that the Houston Texans, the Detroit Lions, and the Atlanta Falcons all, without a shadow of a doubt, had head coach and GM openings. We knew the Carolina Panthers needed a general manager. We knew the Jacksonville Jaguars needed a general manager. Since then, since week 17 officially ended, the New York Jets did indeed fire Adam Gase and the Jacksonville Jaguars did indeed fire Doug Marone. Those are the things we know for now. There is some speculation, some thoughts. We've we've all kind of said here in, in different shows on, on our platform that Los Angeles Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn might be the odd man out. I do want to read you both two tweets um, that have to do and have to pertain with Anthony Lynn. The first one came from Adam Schefter on Sunday morning. Uh, he tweeted out, few coaches have had to overcome more players lost to injury than the Chargers is Anthony Lynn. Entering today's regular season finale against the Chiefs, Chargers players projected to start on opening day have combined to miss 109 games, one of the highest totals in the league. After Pete, the Chargers defeated your Kansas City Chiefs in the most important game in the history of the Kansas City franchise. Uh, the Chargers tweeted out that they won, and Ian Rappaport quoted the tweet and said, as Anthony Lynn's job status will be examined tomorrow, his Chargers team finished with four straight wins. Pete, do you see this as as a weird coincidence of the league's top two insiders? Yeah. You know, hey, everybody, well, Anthony Lynn did a great job. What, you know, watch out. Like, this just yes. feels really obvious. I saw another tweet. I don't really remember who it was from, but it said Lynn's job is something like 50-50. My deputy editor, John Dixon, shout out to Arrowhead Prides, John Dixon. He taught me this year what a trial balloon is. And it's just these stories that are floated out to the media to see how much unrest you're going to have amongst your fan base. So this is exactly what it was. <laughs> Let's see if the fan base will be okay with giving, giving Lynn one more shot. I will say this. It does not seem again, from the outside looking in from Kansas City to L.A., that he has lost the room. It seems like the players really like Lynn. So I don't know as much as we think, OK, they need to move on. I don't know if I would be 100 percent opposed to the situation where they go, Anthony, 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 we can give you one more year. You got to make the playoffs. And that's what it is. One more chance. And let's see if you can get into the dance, especially now that you got this young gun franchise quarterback, Justin Herbert, who is really, really, really fun to watch. Kissed, uh, all the usual names have popped up with regards to being connected to various head coach openings. We've heard Robert Sala. We've heard Eric Bieniemy, We've heard Matt Eberflus. Um, Pat Fitzgerald, certainly a name to watch as well. Uh, John Schneider. It was reported on Sunday morning that the Detroit Lions might make a run at him for their GM opening. What, what do you, what, what? What? <laughs> well, okay, so I mean, you look at the Lions. What does this organization actually have to celebrate that didn't happen in the 1950s? And I'm not trying Go to bag on Lions fans, but like they've been supremely disappointing and have achieved nothing. John Schneider, on the other hand, who doesn't have full control, so there is a pitch there for them to poach him from Seattle, has a lot of success in Seattle. And the Lions just want a little, a little taste of that. So mm. I 100% understand the move because the lions for some reason they've had a pretty average to solid team over the over the past several years and i've had some some bad coaching and some bad luck and, and just bad decision making overall 
Uh, I don't know if this was Matt Stafford's last game as a Lion. I hope it's not. I really like Stafford. Uh, I, I think Schneider would be uh, a great fit there and hopefully reverse some of the losing culture that they have there. These anti-tampering rules that have kind of come along with the new versions of the Rooney rules, essentially what they do is they call for, if your job is going to be slightly upgraded, Mm -hmm. you're allowed to interview where it wasn't always the case in the past, like assistants could be blocked from interviewing from coordinator positions, same thing with personnel departments. This is now going to be a little bit a version of the wild, wild west, and it's designed to give guys more opportunities to excel and be promoted and, and whatnot. What makes this really interesting is, yes, there's parity in the NFL because there is a salary cap. Ain't no salary cap on the personnel department. So owners can spend as much money as they want to get the best people in. So we'll see which owners decide to invest in making sure they have the best decision makers possible because you can spend as much money as you want there. And I think that is a huge part to what is become, I guess, these new rules. Yeah, and I've always found that interesting, too, because it, it, now, granted, this is a cash flow issue for right. ownership to try to decide. That's why, for instance, the Eagles aren't paying Jeff Stoutland, their offensive line coach, $10 million to make sure that he's stays here and stays happy and, and all of that stuff. But I can see a move towards paying GMs and coaches more like they get paid actually in college, really. You see some of the, the contracts they get there. So I can see that becoming a bigger factor as as we move along. On the subject of that kiss, uh, we've seen different teams go after big names in the head coaching cycle in previous years. John Gruden's kind of the biggest one, not from the college world. Right. Um, but it was reported on Saturday evening, before Sunday even started, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who did wind up firing Doug Barone, have heavy interest in former Ohio State and University of Florida head coach, national champion several times over, Urban Meyer. Um, Urban obviously is somebody who's been connected to a number of jobs, the USC job, the Texas job that just got filled by Sark. I, the takes were were very similar on Saturday night when this came out, um, and I agree with them. I think everything that makes Urban Meyer a great college coach does not translate to the NFL. Uh, they're the things you both went over when we talked about why Bill O'Brien or Adam Gase could have success under Nick Saban, and, and that's a very unique situation. But I know that Urban is, is a legend in that particular state. I, I mean, if you're the Jaguars – And we know that the Jaguars have a gigantic amount of cap space. We know that the Jaguars have a GM opening. They have a head coach opening. They have the number one overall pick. Trevor Lawrence, don't be the the guy that's like, oh, is Justin Fields going to be the number one overall pick now? No. The Jaguars have everything going for them. Is Urban Meyer the play? Like, uh, Kist, if if you have everything set up, you've saved up all your allowance, all your, you know, lawn mowing money for a decade, and you're going to go buy, you know, like an Xbox One when when the Series X and the PS5 are out? Really? Wow. Yeah. The the way I see it is Urban Meyer has done – a great, like very interesting to listen to in terms of, you know, what he does in the media and everything like that. Sure. I, without getting too far into it, I don't care for Urban Meyer, the person. I don't think he translates well to the NFL. I would have rather had Ryan Day, the offensive coordinator. However, uh, it doesn't look like he's interested in going to the NFL. So I'm out on this. I think it would be a bad move. I think it's an attractive job. They got the number one pick. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence. They have talent. They have a talented roster. You mentioned the stuff with the GM being in on a rebuild and and, and whatnot. But uh, if it's Urban Meyer, I would I would be disappointed by that selection. This is the most attractive I think jobs since what would be the Browns in 17 from a team building standpoint, if you're hiring a GM and a head coach with all of the money they have and the number one pick, and you're going to be having the franchise quarterback there. And 
I know I've seen some people out there saying, yeah, but it's Jacksonville. Listen, the NFL has figured this out. This is something the NBA has had trouble figuring out. We've seen Indianapolis and Kansas City become destinations with Peyton Manning and now Patrick Mahomes. Smaller markets than these coasts. It doesn't matter if it's Jacksonville. People that are in the NFL, they just want to win. And if you have everything in place and you're saying, okay, we can get to the dance, the big dance in Jacksonville, because now we have all the pieces. You can build Jacksonville. You can build an NFL and successful franchise anywhere. And I'm eager to see what they do. I think they have a lot of leverage for a change. It seems like the Jaguar, why settle for someone like Meyer? Also, uh, they finally sorted out the nasty uniform situation and great golf in Duval County. <laughs> and so, you could uh, watch a game in a pool. That's Candy true. And a pina colada. <laughs> it's balmy out here. I'm ready uh, to see Trevor Lawrence throw the football all around. Let's party. Well, so some people call it a pool. Some people call it like a tank of water. Uh, speaking of, sorry <sighs> for the obvious segue. Um, <laughs> Doug Peterson, Michael Kist, very, very clearly, very, very obviously, uh, in a far more apparent way than anybody really ever. From from this angle of it, you we'll talk about it. You noted the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, aiming for the number one overall pick a few years ago. Doug Peterson ordered the code red um, against the Washington Football Team on Sunday night. If, if you're Somehow unaware, the Philadelphia Eagles were in contention in this game. Had the Eagles won, the New York Giants, because they beat the Dallas Cowboys, would have won the NFC East uh, by losing. The Philadelphia Eagles raised their draft stock. Doug Peterson looks like he is safe uh, in terms of returning to the Eagles in 2021. By the way, Happy New Year, everybody. Kissed. The takes are out. This was an act of disgrace and contempt for competitiveness. So on the football cheat sheet, I had mentioned to Kate Majuk, like, hey, take the under in this Eagles-Washington football team game. Look at the inactives for the Eagles. Look at the injuries. Look at the people that they're playing. My God, they were playing Rudy Ford at outside corner. He had taken four snaps at cornerback all year, and they all came last week. Uh, so they had so many people hurt in this game, other tackles, like everything. And not only that, they had mentioned during the week, that they were going to find a, the right time to pull Jalen Hurts and put in Nate Sudfeld. Everybody's surprised by this when Jalen Hurts was like bad, bad. Seven of this 20. Game. Right. Probably tanking. But let's not act like this doesn't happen in week 17 every year. Sure. Let's not act like the Bucks didn't do this in 2015. Dan Orlovsky can, you know, he's got his soapbox right now. He put, he loaded into the Jeep. He's going to travel the nation preaching about the integrity of the game and blah, 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 blah. When he was the same one saying that, hey, you should tank for Trevor Lawrence. What's the difference between taking for number one overall and taking between number six overall? You cannot pick and choose. Now, you're never going to hear Doug Peterson say that they tank. That's just not going to happen. But it was pretty obvious what happened. And you know what? I have zero issue with it. Go ahead and investigate them. You're not going to find anything, number one. But even if you do find them, it ain't my money. And I'd rather have the six overall pick. I do not care. And you know what? If the Giants have a problem with it, don't be six and 10, period. I think that's a great point. Personally, I, I just think it's a little silly that Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth have to have to you know, roll with the facade, right? You know, right. Wow, they, they really want to evaluate Nate Sudfeld. Like, dude, like we're all adults, you know, you can, <laughs> you can tell us what's happening here. I mean, we're all fine with it to, to the point kiss. I mean, we've seen the NFL draft be finicky. Um, I mean, the, the Philadelphia Eagles as, as one example, 
loved CD Lamb. I know all of you at BGN really loved CD Lamb. And, and why did the Eagles not draft him? Because the Cowboys got him because they, they were first. And that's that's the way the NFL draft works. And so I agree with you. I do think, and, and Pete, I'm curious if you agree. I I, th- I would say that this was predictable, this, you know, this reaction. So I, I don't know if it's worth that with regards to this situation specifically when you're Doug Peterson yeah. you're already dealing with the Carson Wentz factor you already have the Howie Roseman factor you have all sorts of crap hanging on you know over your head and so while maybe you you brought back a lot of Eagles fans that say hey Dougie P that's my guy he got us the sixth overall pick the conversation is going to be all these people on their soapboxes and now you have to put up with it for a few months yeah Dougie Dougie Dougie, can't you see? Sometimes your tank just hypnotizes me. I I think the biggest (laughs) problem with this was that it occurred on Sunday night football. I think there was a moment in the game where Doug was like, man, I think we actually might win this. And there was a quick correction. And it was for everybody to see because we're in football playoff crave mode right now we're so ready for next week i mean i don't know about you guys i love this i can't wait for saturday the chiefs aren't even playing your teams aren't playing obviously but it's 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 just fun to watch and some of the best football all year so this was supposed to be almost like a prelude to that usually the last sunday night game is and they put this game on instead of what would have been the Rams and Cardinals, which were another option. I didn't really understand that, but whatever it is, what it is. And then you have it. And then the last regular season football, the entire nation watches all year is this tank. And I don't necessarily blame the Eagles because you go from ninth to sixth. And not only do you have, obviously, the three choices ahead. So if you really like a player there, you have a way better chance of getting him. But the, the ability to trade back. If you right. don't like the players there and the amount more of more uh, compensation that you would get for what would be a sixth overall than a ninth overall, I think there was just too much to, I guess, quote unquote, not play for there. And I, I think if they wanted to do that, the move probably would have been putting Sudfeld in at halftime. The problem was it just really felt like, oh, no, we're going to win. Let's change the course of this game as quickly as possible. And it was just so obvious. It's what the Bucks did in 2014. They were up in week 17 against the Saints 20 to 7. They pulled all of their starters at half. They took a massive holding call, a very important holding call at the end of the drive, at the end of the game on the last drive. They took two consecutive sacks and took a safety uh, to cap off the game. Nobody remembers that. Nobody is going to remember this in a week. The only people that are going to remember this is going to be Giants fan. So, like, uh, just the the sanctimonious well, nonsense and the integrity of the game. Like, get we'll off. Get, of it. We'll get a slight reminder when Rich Eisen is breaking down the highlight <laughs> when the Eagles get on the clock at number six. But that will <laughs> yeah. be the last we ever hear of it. And I agree right. with that. Pete, but that, that really is a great point because, I mean, again, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, maybe one, two, again, going very high. But at six overall, Kiss, and you study the NFL draft closer than most. I know you're a busy man now that you're the boss. Uh, but, I mean, Trey Lance, Kyle Trask, Zach Wilson, you're you're in that range now where maybe it's the Chicago Bears, the Detroit Lions, somebody likes one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, ca- kind of that Josh Allen spot from a few years ago. So um, very valuable from a draft capital standpoint. Yeah, you can take him there or you can move back. And it's, or, right. or if you were, at, you were at ninth, you would have had to move up. The difference in like the traditional trade value chart is a third round pick. You gained a third round pick and three slots up in the first round of the draft. That's not nothing. And I, I refuse to be upset about it. 
Let's move on. Derrick yeah. Henry became the eighth player in NFL history to rush for over two thousand yards that's two g's two k dh two k whatever you want to call him crown the king uh derrick henry now finished the 2020 season with 2027 yards a few stats these are courtesy of espn derrick henry finished as the league's triple crown rushing winner he had the most yards most attempts and most rushing touchdowns of any running back in the nfl his 250 yard performance on sunday against the houston texans as the titans won the afc south surpassed his franchise record record 238-yard performance against the Jacksonville Jaguars two years ago. He had more than 200 rushing yards for the third consecutive game against the Texans specifically, the only player in NFL history to do this. He joined ter- uh, excuse me, he joined Terrell Davis as the only players to have at least 1900 rushing yards and 15 rushing touchdowns in a single season, and he joined Tiki Barber as the only players to finish a season with 200-yard per- 200-yard performances in consecutive Executive season finales. Pete Sweeney, is Derrick Henry legitimately involved in the MVP discussion? I don't know about that, but he seems like the shoe-in for what would be the offensive player of the year. I know that there are some Bills fans. Not Travis Kelsey? What? I know that there are some Bills fans that'll be suggesting Stefan Diggs, and and that's fair, but I I think it has to go to Henry now with that performance. And, you know, we get into this thing where we try to decide who the award winners are before the final week of the season. And for me, this effort really sealed it for him. I I don't know how the voters would go in another direction for that particular award. I think the MVP award is going to go to Aaron Rodgers. I know there's Chiefs fans who have said, and, and I've heard them loud and clear that, well, Patrick Mahomes should earn something by not having to play the final weekend. Week 17 counts, and the numbers are just too different and it's got to go to Rodgers. And so I think that's your one, two for these offensive awards this year. Rodgers, Henry. Be interesting to see offensive rookie of the year as the battle of the Justins commences between uh, Herbert and Jefferson. Another uh, battle that will take week 17 into account. Chiefs hubris aside, kissed. Um, running backs don't matter. Uh, but does Derrick Henry matter? He does. Like, I, I think running backs don't matter unless you have an elite one or you have a group with, like, nobody that's that's solid. I think you understand that with the whole Zeke situation. You've had that conversation uh, ad nauseum. Uh, but at the same time, the quarterback is the most posi- important position in the NFL. And if you're telling me that it's not Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, I think you're crazy. Because the Titans offense is very successful. It's not just because of Derrick Henry, though. Because Ryan Tannehill has had a, had a real big year, too. So... He might not even be the most important, even with the 2,000 yards, might not even be the most important offensive player on that team, let alone the league. I mean, come on. Ooh, that's, a t- that's a sizzling take right there. Uh, <laughs> uh, some people call you Music City Mike, Kiss, I, I, uh, yeah. because you are you are that's quite popular in, in the streets in Nashville, down in Graceland, the Grand Ole Opry. Yee-haw. Michael Kiss loves him some Tennessee Titans. Michael Kiss spoke with Buck Rising from A to Z Sports Nashville to talk about the AFC South champions. Let's hear from Kiss and Buck right now on Monday Football Monday. Buck, thank you for joining us here on the SB Nation NFL show. Let's talk about this crazy game from yesterday. 41-38 Titans over the Texans in overtime. Week 17 couldn't be any more dramatic. The Titans clinched the AFC South. How did it all go down there at the end, Buck? Well, it was completely improbable because I joked uh, earlier in the game in the first half that, you know, why not let Deshaun Watson and the Texans have a few more scores to let Derrick Henry try and get 2,000 yards, to let A.J. Brown try and get 1,000. But it came down uh, partly 
because of uh, sheer incompetence on the part of Mike Vrabel to go for it on fourth and 11. Completely uh, ridiculous. Tannehill gets sacked. Deshaun Watson marches right down the field, gets a touchdown, brings it within 10. Um, And then the defense in the first half for the Tennessee Titans was pretty stout. They got pressure. They got a turnover. They did all of the things that normal defenses do to be able to stop competent (laughs) NFL quarterbacks. And then the the second half, they just completely uh, pooped themselves, for lack of a better term, allowed Watson and the Texans to get a lead. Uh, And then by the grace of uh, the football gods, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, and A.J. Brown, a 52-yard completion with 18 seconds to go to set up the thick kicker. Two Cs on that. Sam (laughs) Sloman, the COVID replacement for a 37-yard chip shot. Uh, A made field goal, even though it doinked. And the most improbable AFC South champion uh, I think any of us have seen in some time. All very normal stuff when you look at what has happened for the Texans uh, this year. And the Titans are the uh, recipient of the the good fortune on that. And Deshaun Watson losing another game. He had zero right losing. Uh, So there's that. But so now that the Titans are the four seed and we know this, heading into the playoffs, let's take stock of the strengths and weaknesses of this team. Sell me on the Titans being capable of a serious run, what is it they do well? They score. They score early. They score often. They came into this game scoring 30 points per game. They put up 41 yesterday. It's the fifth time they've done it this year. It's the only reason, outside of the turnover differential, one, they don't turn the ball over on offense, and two, they get turnovers on the opposite side of the ball. But they score uh, They score at an incredible pace, um, the likes of offense that we have not seen here in Nashville and uh and they do it there's been only there's been five games uh that they've been held scoreless in the first quarter they lost four of them if you can do that you can beat the Tennessee Titans but it's damn sure hard to do that right now with all the weapons that they have on the field uh Corey Davis had a terrible night with the drops but even uh he and he has arguably been their best receiver Derrick Henry Tannehill AJ Brown Jonu Smith Corey Davis the list goes on and on. What they do well is score, which is not something that you could have said about the Titans uh, early on in my tenure covering this team. Yeah, we t- we had talked about this earlier in the season, how they're a different team that can actually compete in boat races now, which is uh, a great thing. And yeah, they, they put up points, which is not what you think of when you think of like a run first uh, type of team, but they are certainly doing well on offense uh, part, in, of course, because of uh, offensive coordinator Arthur Smith doing a bang up job there. Let, let's flip it. If the Titans fail to make a real splash in the playoffs, based on what we've seen this season, what weaknesses will likely be displayed and be their downfall? A lack of pass rush and third down defense. It's been yep. abhorrent. It's been historically bad. It has been quite literally nauseating to watch at times when you're watching 85-year-old Brooks Reed just get laid down on the turf by a backup left tackle in Houston. Now, they they ultimately got pressure in this game, but they had 15 sacks coming into week 17. They miraculously got three in one game. They are the the playoff team. Uh, They are the first team to make the playoffs. This is from Ed Werder from ESPN. The first team to make the playoffs with less than 19 sacks. They are one under at 18. And the third down defense has been historically bad. They were five. uh, They only allowed Houston to convert five of their 12 third down attempts last night. That has been uh, that has been not at all the case throughout the course mm. of the season with teams not named the Jacksonville Jaguars and Mike Glennon. So I would say to you, if they fall flat on their face, it'll be the fault of the defense on third down 
and in the pressure department specific. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I remember that they were like the worst third down team in the league. They go up against the Steelers and the Steelers end up with like 16 minutes time of possession versus the Titans one because they literally couldn't get off the field. If that happens, you can't score. And that's a big problem for them. And look, the Titans play the Baltimore Ravens next Sunday in the wild card round in their rematch of their 2019 tilt where the Titans trounce them 28-12. to 12. What's your Monday gut feeling on this upcoming showdown? Well, they handled them pretty well in the rematch of the rematch uh, earlier in the season after the Titans uh, after the Titans went to Baltimore and took them down in overtime. Mm. Um, they, are, they have kind of given the NFL defensively, even as bad as they have been on defense, Dean Pease kind of gave the NFL the blueprint for how to beat Lamar Jackson in that playoff game to allow them to get all the rushing yards you want as long as you keep them out of the red zone and the end zone. All the rushing yards in the world are great, and I know they had almost over 400 yesterday against the Bengals, but if you don't score, if you don't convert, if you can stop their fourth down attempts, then you can beat Baltimore. I think that the Titans are particularly well-equipped uh, to do that, even as lackluster as their defense has been all season long. I would feel pretty good about their chances just based on how these two teams are built. Although Lamar and that offense look much more competent, they don't do that to comp other competent NFL teams. It's teams like the Washington football team. It's teams like the Bengals uh, that the Ravens just absolutely put it on. The Titans are not that. They can keep up. They may not be able to stop you, but they'll at least be able to keep pace. Buck, my dear friend, thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, best of luck to you. And let, let the gentle listeners know where they can follow you, all your great work, your podcast, man, plug away. I, listen, this was an absolute pleasure for me for all of the time that I've wasted of Michael Kist over the past <laughs> four years. It's lovely to be able to contribute. You can uh, check my stuff out at ATOZ Sports, uh, wherever it is that you get social media on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. We got the 615 Sessions podcast. We got the primetime show live streaming on Facebook Live, Periscope, YouTube, and Twitch Sunday to Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. So if you want to hang out, talk some playoff football with the Tennessee Titans, we would be more than happy to have you. We'll be back after a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back, everybody. Appreciate Buck Rising from A to Z Sports Nashville for joining us. Michael Kist, you did a fantastic job, so sir. Good. In fact, I'm going to award you uh, the official 
Derek Henry Award here on the Week 17 edition of Monday Football Monday. So congratulations to you. Uh, quickly, guys, the seasonal leaders throughout the NFL. We know that Derek Henry led the NFL in everything from a rushing perspective. Uh, our passing leader in 2020 from a yardage standpoint, Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know that We call that the Matt Schaub Award when you lead the league in passing for the Texans and, and have a really down season. Uh, Pete, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers, the likely MVP, uh, threw more touchdowns than anybody with 48, just a ridiculous season from him. Uh, receptions, Pete, you also mentioned Stephon Diggs, 127 receptions on the year in his first year with the Bills. Our interception leader, Miami Dolphins DB, Xavier Howard, had 10 interceptions in a fantastic <laughs> season for Miami, even though the Dolphins will miss out on the playoffs. Go figure, a 10-6 and six team not throwing a huge fit about missing the playoffs like a 6-10 and 10 one uh, a little bit further up north. Finally, the sack leader on the season, Pittsburgh Steelers, all-world rusher T.J. Watt had 15 sacks. Good thing the Cowboys drafted Taco Charlton ahead of him four years ago. That really worked out well for them. Uh, which Barnett. Out, outside of Aaron Rodgers and Derrick Henry, Kiss, which of these is the most impressive to you? Deshaun Watson doing what he did, having the number of you know 100-plus QB rating games and whatnot, it might be the best single season performance on the worst team imaginable. And I am begging them. And I know this is being considered right now by Houston. I am begging them to get Eric Bieniemy out of Kansas City and into Houston so they can start to turn this thing around because he does not deserve uh, what he got. I mean, it's every week. Right. Somebody not named Deshaun Watson loses them the game. Deshaun Watson ties it up. Ryan Tannehill has the yeet of the week. Oh. Right? They get they get the wow. post dig. The safety comes down. You somehow let somebody behind your defense with, what, 17 seconds left? Are you kidding me? And then you lose that way? Deshaun Watson deserves better. It's crazy what he's done this year. How does this keep happening to the state <laughs> of Texas? I remember I was when I was a, a kid, but... Alex Rodriguez was on the Texas Rangers and he was by far the best player in the league. And he just would go, they would go 50 and 110 and whatnot. And then here you have Deshaun Watson. That's what it reminds me of like a rod on those Texas Rangers who just couldn't do anything. And you hope they figure it out quickly because quarterbacks have a shelf life, even if it is 10 years. And sometimes you'll see careers really completely wasted. Hello, Matt Stafford. So they got to get this new staff that they're bringing in. Correct. GM head coach let's write the ship we want to see watson in premier games against the likes of patrick mahomes and justin herbert and so on and so forth i think a, a last and final thing on the deshaun angle that that should be mentioned i saw robert mays from the athletic tweeted about this and i hadn't really connected this until i saw his tweet do you guys realize so deshaun watson has now played four seasons so he's technically not even done with his his rookie contract when you consider the option here he's done with the base you know level of his rookie contract but of those four seasons the Houston Texans have earned a top five pick twice, all right, and have used neither of those selections. They, they traded one away, obviously, to land Deshaun Watson, so you're, you're fine with that. And they yep. traded the other away that is now the third overall pick to the Miami Dolphins uh, to draft Laramie Tunsil. And so first-round picks are such a valuable commodity when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract. And, I mean, this... 
I, I'm not, I don't think I'm telling you guys anything you don't know, but this is sort of an unprecedented level of colossal failure from the Houston Texans that they don't get to utilize either of these selections. And uh, Deshaun Watson has to kind of pay for, for their sins, which is really an unfortunate you know, set of circumstances. But uh, we all digress. Let's move on. The playoff field is set in the NFL. Our NFC seeds one through seven. The Green Bay Packers are off this week. The New Orleans Saints at two. Seahawks at three. The Washington football team, the biggest fraud division winners in NFL history. At number four, our three wild cards, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Los Angeles Rams, and the Chicago Bears, Michael Kiss' favorite team. On the other side of the coin, Pete's Kansas City Chiefs are mm. off this week as well. The Buffalo Bills uh, are the second seed in the AFC, missing out on the bye, of course, with the NFL change. Number three, the Pittsburgh Steelers, once undefeated. Number four, the aforementioned Tennessee Titans. And our AFC wild cards, five through seven, all with 11 wins, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns, and the Indianapolis Colts. Michael Kiss, the team in the playoffs that nobody is afraid of, but that nobody is afraid of, but they should be, is. That's that's a tough one because I mean, look through this. Uh the Bears are playing the Saints. That game is being broadcast on Nickelodeon, by the way. <laughs> Wait, uh very quickly, very quickly. I'm a bit sorry. of breaking news here to, oh, to ahead, Pete's point ahead. here. Um we mentioned this was a fluid show, so you're getting the whole shebang here on Monday Football Monday. The Los Angeles Chargers have indeed fired head coach Anthony Lynn. Uh, so you can add that team to the list of vacant head coach mm-hmm. openings. Um, and again, to, to go back to the caping point that, that I brought up earlier, Ian Rappaport's tweet just now, source, the Chargers and coach Anthony Lynn are parting ways despite four straight wins to end the season. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about these four straight. This win against the Chiefs, we're really going to hang our hats on this, that we beat the Chiefs without Patrick Mahomes? Congratulations. Get- Anthony Lynn, by all accounts, is a great person um, and, and is a lot of fun, and I hope he finds a job and has success. But he was a disaster for this team this year, and we, we can't look past that just because we like him as a person. You have to get Justin Herbert incapable by hands so that this team and this young quarterback can have success and he doesn't turn into Deshaun Watson with the Texans yeah I I guess it truly (laughs) was 50-50 I thought it was going to go more so into Lynn's hands and uh, the longer this this went it it felt like Lynn might have a chance but you can't blame the Chargers for parting ways as great a guy as as Lynn is and I think sometimes when teams are on hard knocks that gives fans nationally even a softer spot and I think that was the case with Lynn and I I hope he lands on his feet and I think this becomes a really really attractive gig for the Chiefs offensive coordinator and Eric Bieniemy because who knows the Kansas City Chiefs offense better than EB and that's someone you have to beat if you're ever going to get over the hump. Kissed, is this the most attractive job in the NFL now? I, I, it is for me if Brian Dable is hired there because I would love to watch that all 22, Justin Herbert and Dable together. I think that would be absolutely uh, magical. And look, players can love Anthony Lynn all they like. His in-game decision-making is just horridly abysmal, unacceptable, can't apologize for it, can't find a way to justify it. He had, he had to go, period. And the special teams were, were killing them. Oh, yeah. And that, that's a non-option for multiple weeks in a row. It just is Mm -hmm. a non-option for a head coach. I have a big problem with this, and the only big problem that I have is that it interrupted what would have been the come-up of the week, and you mentioned that there will be a wild-card weekend game on Nickelodeon, so congratulations (laughs) to Slime making a comeback. (laughs) We haven't really talked about or heard from Slime in a really long time, that green goo that they would dump on you during Figure It Out and Double Dare. 
Welcome back, Slime. Congratulations to Slime, the come up of the week. Before and going, we go ahead, and going back to your question, uh, RJ, about which which team are people kind of maybe sleeping on? I think it's maybe the Bucks. And I talked about their shift in offensive philosophy since the bye week on the Palpably Unfair podcast last week. And when you look at the the NFC again, you've got one team that is uh, playing on Nickelodeon against a team that has a, a quarterback that is going to retire. You've got the Los Angeles Rams, whose quarterback has a broken thumb. You've got the Seattle Seahawks, who are very vulnerable and for some reason will make that a one-score game against the Rams. <laughs> I think the only team capable of beating the the Bucks right now are the Packers. And the Bucks blew out, embarrassed Green Bay. Uh, during the regular season, I don't expect the same result this year, but I think the Bucks are incredibly potent and dangerous right now. And it's big that Mike Evans, who went out with a non-contact knee injury, only has that hyperextended knee, no ligament damage per reports, and might well they're they're hopeful that he's good to go uh, this weekend. So a few different things here. One, on a Los Angeles note, Jared Goff, the reports on Monday morning are making it sound like it is going to be difficult for him to play. Obviously, a situation worth watching with regards to this week's games. That might be Uh, a good thing, by the way. I'm I'm just telling you. They got got the wolf of the West. (laughs) Before we fully get into the playoff matchups, I cannot leave the Chargers point without, again, I just want to say Anthony Lynn might put won my last four games at the top of his resume for 2021, but every Chargers fan is upset with him for it because the Los Angeles Chargers, if you want to go back to tanking, played themselves out of a top 10 pick by winning these last four games. The Chiefs totally, you know, played this right in terms of determining the fate of their division rival. The Los Angeles Chargers are one of the worst coach teams in the NFL, and they have the 13th overall pick. And so that is a colossal overall failure. If, but anyway, I, if you look I, at if you look at the NFL draft, though, I find that there are what would be impact players at sure. every position except quarterback littered throughout the first round. So I think it it kills teams when they don't have the quarterback in place. So the Chargers are fortunate in that. Like, it, yeah, it is. It, you'd rather be higher. There's no doubt so, about that. But at least they got the QB. While I get off my Chargers soapbox, Kiss, you mentioned the Buccaneers. Um, I am a fight in Texas Aggie, so I love me some Mike Evans. What do we think of the decision to play Mike Evans? Mike Evans became the first player in NFL history to go over 1,000 receiving yards in each of his first seven seasons. Nobody had ever done it before because it's so difficult to do as a rookie. Um, he hyperextended his knee. His status for this week is at the very least questionable. Uh, and Bruce Arians said he didn't regret playing him because they were playing to win and whatever, back to the tanking, you play to win, blah, 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 whatever. But this was not wise. And now you mentioned it, Kiss. You're the Buccaneers. You're the only team that blew the doors off the Packers this season, and you just compromised one of your most valuable offensive weapons. Was it worth it for the Bucs to play Mike Evans to get we, – we all can admit that they played him to get that record. Yeah, I, I think they did, and my, and Bruce Arians had mentioned it uh, earlier. He's like, I wish I had gotten Mike Evans to a thousand in Week 16 because then they wouldn't have to play him this week. And apparently, he had a real shift in philosophy as the week went on, understanding how important it is the seeding. I guess, like, sure, I, it, it's hard for me to criticize that because there there was something to play for, and it was a freak thing. And maybe the idea was because understand. He, he did that right after he got to a 1,000, something that was probably very important right. to Mike Evans. I don't think he would have come off the field until he got that. It was one play after that that happened. Now, we don't know. In an alternate universe where that doesn't happen, does he play the next series? I'm not sure. So it's really hard for me to criticize it. And like I said, I don't think you could have taken physically removed Mike Evans from the field. Yeah, I think we're, we're on opposite ends of this, and we have to pick one, mm. right? So like... We're upset that the 
Eagles go and better what would be the future of their franchise, yet we're also mm. going to be upset that Mike Evans is playing. It really can't be both. Mm-hmm. So that's how I look at it, too. If there's anything left to play for, I think you should be playing for that. And you never know how it goes. I mean, I know, what are they, the fifth seed now? Sometimes upsets happen, and then all of a sudden you have a home game later yep. in the playoffs. And so I, I think it's always worth playing for that. Freak injuries are always going to happen sure. each and every week. And so I, I can't kill Tampa Bay there. And you hope Evans is able to play in some kind of capacity at some point in this playoff. So we mentioned the playoff matchup rolling through this weekend's games. The super wild card weekend, as we mentioned, on Saturday, the Colts at Bills on CBS to start things off every day this weekend. Uh, every day, both days, Saturday and Sunday, you get a noon game, <laughs> a three o'clock game and a night game. So at noon on Saturday, Colts at Bills at three o'clock, Rams at Seahawks. That's on Fox. Saturday night football, the NFL thought putting the NFC East on primetime was a good idea Again, the Buccaneers at the football team. Sunday brings with it Ravens at Titans uh, at the noon hour on ESPN and ABC, their parent company. The Bears at Saints in the 3 o'clock window. That game is on CBS. You guys mentioned Nickelodeon and Amazon Prime. Meanwhile, Sunday night football, we get the game everybody wanted in Week 17. The Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers on NBC, Telemundo, and Peacock, which now has The Office. So get excited. Which game are you looking forward to the most, Kissed? I, I'm. I, are you guys watching the Nickelodeon broadcast? Broadcast without a doubt. Without, <laughs> a doubt. without a doubt. Without a doubt. And if you want to play the Monday Football Monday drinking game for the Nick game, it's easy. You see slime, you take a sip of your beer, and hopefully you have a nice Sunday night because of it. I think the only games that are really interesting to me come from the AFC. Colts Bills should be mm-hmm. really really good. Best Ravens Titans. I mean, that'll be a good one too. And Brown Steelers, man, that that should be fun seeing the, seeing the Browns in the in the playoffs and seeing if the Steelers like resurgence late, you know, that one half where the offense played really well is for real. I think those are really good games. Yeah, and I know we got to go, so I'll make this quick. Don't you guys feel like there's a little bit, a little bit of an early crown thing going on in Buffalo? The Colts have a oh top, my gosh. top ten defense. The, they have a the top ten defense. There's a little here. bit. There's a little bit of overlooking going on right now, so I'm really interested in that first AFC game. I think the Chiefs might know who they're playing after one game is played this weekend. I just want to let it be known that my Buffalo Rumblings t-shirt came. It looks great on me. I feel very handsome when I'm wearing it, and I am officially in Bill's Mafia for the playoffs, so... Screw you, Pete. Give me that address I'm, after the podcast, and we'll get I'm with some Kissed, red and, and gold. And Pete, um, respectively, <laughs> on behalf of basically every non-Chiefs fan base, get the hell out of here with this <laughs> crowning going on early. Chiefs fans are telling me how not having to play in Week I 17 think you should, should be, count towards the MVP I think effort. you should be one of the people that are upset, because to me, it's felt like over the past couple weeks, the Bills feel like America's team right now. And I'm just saying, why don't we get through the wild card weekend first? That's all. That's all. Um, before we get out of here, and every show on the Espionation NFL show will get you ready for these wild card games later on this weekend, I did want to ask you guys one final question now that the regular season is officially over. Who was the biggest fraud in terms of teams this season in the NFL? I will get things started while you both sit there and wait um, and ponder. Um, it, this pains me because... Cliff Kingsbury was a part of one of the most special seasons in Texas A&M's history. Uh, by the way, Orange Bowl champions. Um, I think the Arizona Cardinals are really big frauds. Um, I know Kyler Murray was hurt on Sunday, and I know that was a factor, but you can't go score seven points against John Wolford in a win-and-in game. Uh, what's, but what's more than that, you can't get to that situation at the bye. 
the Seattle or the Arizona Cardinals entered the bye five and two off of that massive overtime win against the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. They were five and two. They won three games since then. One of them was the last second win against the team that is going to win the AFC, the Buffalo Bills. The other two were against the New York Giants, and then they barely beat the Philadelphia Eagles in Jalen Hurts' first rookie road start. This team is a bunch of frauds. Everybody crowned them. Talk about crowning people. After that Sunday night win, they are just, they're just the Cardinals. And by the way, there is some like Twitter research going on that Larry Fitzgerald might retire. Uh, so that would be unfortunate if, if he had to retire after this team completely collapsed on him. Uh, mine, I don't have as long as an explanation as you do, <laughs> but I think it's fairly simple and people will understand. Mike McCarthy is a massive fraud. Thoughts? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I mean... Look, I know it's going to shock you. I've had the Mike McCarthy conversation like 600 times over the last <laughs> few months. Um, my overall thoughts, you can hear more of them at Blogging the Boys. Mike McCarthy's season, like everybody else, was challenged by the COVID year. Mike McCarthy sure. lost his franchise quarterback. Mike McCarthy lost several sets of offensive tackles throughout the year. Mike McCarthy lost Andy Dalton at one point. Mike McCarthy, again, I hate to use this as a as a data point in football, lost personal friends um, through tragedies this year. And, you know, dealt with all of that. Is there is there something to the fraud idea with his, I watched every game from the 2019 <laughs> season? Yeah, there is. But there are also, he, he hyped himself up as this analytically driven dude. We saw analytically based principles with the 2020 Dallas Cowboys. The important thing, uh, we didn't even mention this, the Cowboys extended Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator, over the weekend. He's not going to Boise State. And so I'm confident in the future of the team. I think you get Dak Prescott back and a lot of other things work themselves out. But yeah, I mean, we're, the jury's still out on Mike McCarthy. Sounded okay. a lot like what we've heard out of San Diego and LA the last four years, <laughs> but remains to be seen if Garrett is any indication only nine more years of McCarthy I would say the biggest fraud in the NFL was the Minnesota Vikings and this was a team coming off a playoff run started 0-3 they gave their head coach a three-year contract prior to the season this was not supposed to be a down year and it's not a sexy pick it just was simply this was supposed to be a playoff team and largely because Kirk Cousins is their quarterback they were not Mm. Well, um, congratulations to Kirk Cousins on the Justin Jefferson dance move on Sunday afternoon <laughs> in Detroit. The three That's the biggest win of the season. This Likely the, appreciated. The hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to us throughout the regular season. We're not going anywhere. Uh, we're here for the playoffs. We're here for the long haul. Make sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show so you hear all of our wonderful productions available wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating, write a review, and love Michael Kist forever. This was Monday Football. Monday. Ah.